Welcome to the Men at Work podcast, episode 30. I'm your host, Travis Streb. So today I've got a special episode for you. If you remember back in episode three, I had David Gomes on the show. David is a spiritual teacher, a coach, um, a, a man of great wisdom. And we called this episode The Great Planetary Timeout because I wanted to get David's thoughts and opinions on what's happening to humanity in the midst of the coronavirus. And David did not disappoint. He is a um, often a, a reserved guy and a quiet guy like a lot of spiritual teachers. And this conversation helped to bring out a lot of what's in his heart and what's on his mind, especially when it comes to what this virus is trying to teach us what's present right now and and what the future might hold and how it might be different. So it is a gender neutral episode of the Men at Work podcast. I know you're going to love it. So let's get going with David Gomes. There seems to be a lot of kind of productivity shaming these days, which I'm noticing. Like some things seem to be coming into relief. I think a lot of people feel a lot of shame <laughs> and grief. And they, they, so, you know, I mean, I read, you know, the posts are like, you know, if you don't come out of this with a new side hustle or learned a new language or, you know, did X, Y, Z, then you're, you know, you're lazy. And I, I just think like, it's it's just we've taken this collective kind of striving that has completely unraveled and broken down which is the the true meaning of this virus and we've replaced it online and sort of continued and so i think um it'd be more beneficial for us to just get together and meditate you know be quiet and maybe do some loving kindness meditations and spend our time going within it's um, it's interesting because I I I hosted, uh, I don't know if what we'll call it. It was like a, it was a, a, a night for for men to come together and look at the importance of having purpose and direction in a time where it's highly uncertain. And I I kicked it off with about a twenty minute meditation, and when we when I got the feedback it was very polarized. <laughs> Some mm. people were like, the meditation was so great. I'm so glad we got to do it. Others were like, yeah, I could have done without the meditation. I really just wanted to know how to find my purpose. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> well, just check under the cushion. There's a little wooden box there. You'll find it in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's part I, of the course. I've got mine over here. I'll show you my purpose box. <laughs> here it is. Everyone should have a box like this. Wow, there's, it's beautiful. There's my purpose box. So ornate. It's too bad this is on audio, you know, we can't. I've got Buddha on top. That, that box looks like it's ancient, though. It's pretty old. 
It's got all kinds of magical things in it. Yes. All your power objects are in there. We used to use it as a, um, as a peace box if we were having an argument and one of us could be awake enough, which I think is a good idea. One of us would go get the box and hand it to the other person and then they would open it and see something that would bring them back and remember, oh, okay, yeah, right. It's a pretty cool idea, actually. That's a great idea. I like that. Um, so anyways, well, you know, it, it is, it is, um, there, there is certainly an abundance of, of zoom stuff. I've actually, I've seen the same things you've seen, but because a lot of, um, a lot of the people that I'm with online, or I shouldn't say a lot of them, but a bunch of them, it's, it's cycling related or there's, or they're, you know, obviously Rebecca works in the, in the health and wellness industry. It's so a lot of fitness stuff. And I, I talked about this with the group last week, this idea that it's like, now's the best time to get in the best shape of your life and, you know, get shredded or what, you know, whatever your goals might be. And, um, well, that's, I mean, you know, that is true. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's a great time to, to, to get, to get fit. The, the part that I was, that I think you're emphasizing here is like the importance of getting beyond just physically fit. Like, well, I think, you know, what's interesting to me is that this is a time of subtraction. And so this virus is teaching us through subtraction. So what we're seeing is basically all of the uh, distractions of the world have been taken away almost instantly. And so distraction has a different lesson to teach us than addition. So we say that in, in the pursuit of knowledge, every day something is added. In the pursuit of wisdom or the, the discovery of wisdom, every day something is taken away. So you could say when you're riding your bike because you're a high performance athlete, that you are actually in a state of reduction. You're reducing everything to the man, the bike, and the mountain. And that in and of itself to me is enough. The shredded is just an added benefit. It's a side benefit of a man on a bike climbing a mountain. That's, that's subtraction. That's like focus, that's concentration. Um, which that's a, that's, can you, I mean, can you say, yes, I wanna hear more about this subtraction thing. I've, I've not heard many people talk about this before. Well, I, I, I just think that, you know, this virus is, um, this virus has a teaching. Mm. And a lot of times teachings are, they're individual, right? But what we're seeing is also something quite rare. We're seeing a universal teaching. There may be some people who are unaffected by this, but I don't personally know any. I'm not aware of any human being who isn't having and who isn't being impacted by this teaching. And then there's the individual teaching of what the virus is teaching us, right? So for some people it's, you know, continue to strive in new ways, like re-message everything, redo everything, but you know, keep everything normal, like find normal again, like bring normal back. So my idea is when, you know, whatever normal is, as we return to normal, um, maybe we should look at some of the things that are normal and ask, do we want to return to them? 
And so I think subtraction is a great time for people to focus on, on what really matters to them. And in the end, what matters, I think, in times of great uncertainty is your basic practices. It's, um, it's a good point, though. Returning to daily practice is something everyone can do. And um, I wonder how many, how many of us have a daily practice that actually is, is grounding or nourishing or, or, you know, benefiting us or serving us in any way, or, and, you know, maybe in the subtraction, there's a, there's a return to doing nothing, which is something that my teachers um, have, have talked a lot about. And it's been a real challenge for me in the last few years to actually take that on, but almost, now I'm now it's happening accidentally. Yeah, it's not often that you get a universal teaching that affects everybody, right? That, well, that is pretty profound. Yeah, yeah, and at least, at least, in from what I've seen in in the West, I I actually wonder about what people are experiencing and and um and maybe maybe not receiving a teaching or maybe they are in other other places that where this type of situation is is more common and i obviously this is a you know we're we've been told this is novel and this is new but the experience of being terrified for your life because of other people i don't know if that's new for for other people on the planet. I don't, I've never been another person on the planet, but I have to imagine that there are societies out there where this is fairly normal. Yeah, no, I think that's a really, it's a really good point, you know. Um, our ancestors fought in world wars and Frank lived in a 400 foot, square foot attic for seven months before being murdered by the Nazis, millions of people in China, in Russia, murdered by their own governments just for being, for having a conversation like we're having. So the, in one sense, it's universal. I think what's new is sort of this, this, this first world now, we got our own Ebola, right? And before it was just something you'd listen to on the news. It's like, oh, that's happening in Africa or, you know, some place I don't even know how to find on a map. That's what most people are thinking. And some heroic workers go in and try and sort it out. And now, uh, but now suddenly everyone's concerned because it's a Western problem. And, you know, I mean, it's, I guess I'm oversimplifying a bit, but um, I, I think everybody reacts to uncertainty in a different way. But to me, this creates a lens. Like, this is nothing new. In the wisdom traditions, they focus on this relentlessly. This idea that the world is fragile. It's unstable. You, this isn't your home. You don't live here. You're just a temporary tourist visiting. You know, you don't know where you came from. You're not sure why you're here and you don't know where you're going when you leave and you don't know when you're going to leave. And yet you spend your whole life like working for a few shekels and, you know, fair enough. But um, so 
I, I think, you know, if, if this doesn't wake people up to stop and go, what is the meaning of life? Then I don't know what will, you know, and um, that may sound a little harsh, but um, we're here for a greater purpose than just to, you know, to, to, to work and to have kids and to take holidays. Like we're, we're, I think we're, we're, we're trying to find our own divinity. And how do we do it? We do it through meditation, the various teachings, the re religion, spirituality, um, and sort of purpose is found, I think, in these deeper pursuits. This time, what I'm, I don't know if, you, if you've ever seen the movie Wally -E before. Mm -mm. Um, if you haven't, it's a children's movie, but it is, um, it's a heartbreaking film. Like the characters are, are the character, the main characters, are, you know, are two robots living in the future where we've decimated the planet and we're living on this, this kind of spaceship. But it's very, it's very reminiscent of, of our current life where everyone's got their own kind of personal mobility device that kind of just flies around this, the spaceship and you, you drink, we drink these pre-concocted beverages and eat, you know, engineered foods. And what happens ultimately is the, you know, the, the robot realizes this, the robot who's the main character, he brings a plant up to the spaceship and they realize that life on earth can be sustained again. So they kind of get back to the land, but the, the people, us, you know, in the movie, the humans, we've, we've become so, everything's become so automated and disconnected from the planet that we've forgotten how to do any kind of farming or how to take care of ourselves or how to move our bodies. And I, I can't help but look at this time as, as um, you know, a less extreme version of that, but where we've now got people, myself included, who've had time enough to slow down to go, oh, wait a second, like I could actually grow food or I could do something different. Um, and I think the, the thing that we'll be telling is how much of that, how much of this new way of being will, will endure beyond you know, whenever in you know, the end, if there ever is one of this thing is. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. H have you always been sort of a speedy person, would you say? Like, is it, is that, have you always been somebody who's been sort of highly motivated to move the needle all the time? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, as for as, for as long as I can remember, for sure. I mean, I, I remember having, you know, having to go to great lengths just to be able to legally work. Like I wanted to have a job so bad. And, and it was like, Oh, I don't, you don't even have a social insurance number. Like, I don't even know if you're old enough to have a job yet. And I was like, no, I want to, <laughs> I want to make money. Um, ah, coal is, mines were made for children yeah, like you. Yeah. If I'd, if I'd, if I'd been growing yeah, up just, in a different Just go era. down that little, uh, yeah, there's a nice that's, little roller coaster that will take you down. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, the last, the last few years, I mean, certainly since 2016, it, I've slowed down, but I've found myself even a couple of weeks ago, once we settled back into, into home that I was, I wasn't doing much 
physically, like I was taking really slow walks in the woods and alone or, or with one of the kids. But in my head, I was spinning right. all yeah. these things I could start doing. Yeah, yeah. And um, actually had a, had a, um, a mentor of mine help me through that because he noticed it. He's like, so just so you know, this is what you're doing right now. It's great. And it's good to have people in your life like that. Mm-hmm. But it was so it wasn't the physical thing of like me riding my bike up the mountain every day or, you know, literally running around trying to fill every second of the day with productivity. But it was like that it was it became cognitive instead. Right. Um, and I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just really curious. And I've, I've been talking to a lot of people and it's like there's. There's so many different experiences, but the biggest one that I'm that I'm alive to is the this i this idea that I hold as well, which is like, well, when will this be over? Right. And um, I don't know. I don't know when it will be over, and if it will be over, or what over is. Yeah. I think it's this situation is bringing a lot of things into relief and perspective. It's really shining a light on some things we have not really thought about too deeply. I I think it's a very distracting world and much of the so-called positivity and uh, productivity uh, is what's the meaning of it all? Where, where does it get you? You know? Um, and I'm a coach saying that, but you know, I, I don't feel that coaching is really about, it's not about productivity, but people tend to get a little more productive when they feel more connected. It's not really even about reaching goals, but people seem to reach them easier. It's really about, you know, something much deeper than that. And, you know, all we're sh- being shown now is, the virus is, is telling us something. It's saying, you know, this is a pretty distracted world. And as soon as I make people go and sit in their homes for a month, the global economy crumbles. I mean, what does that tell us? It tells us something is not right when people cannot rest without the global economy literally melting down. So, you know, I think like everything, it's it's a process of evolution. And some people are going to be incredibly transformed by this. Um, it's a, going to be like a, a spiritual opportunity, an awakening. Their lives will forever be changed in a positive way. And other people cannot wait to get back to the, the old way. You know, um, which is consumption endless consumption it's the ideology of a cancer cell a cancer cell is something that grows and grows and grows it never stops this is essentially what the virus is to me it's a message saying this ideology does not work anymore it doesn't work for the planet and so i guess i'm i'm hoping to see a kind of a shift in even how we work and and what we talk about and but to be honest, I, I feel quite invisible these days because I, I feel like I don't want to add to the noise and, you know, throw another course out there. And 
Um, you know, how many courses have people bought online that they don't take? How many books have they bought that they don't read? How many gym memberships did they buy that they don't like? So we're, just, we're even addicted to consuming good things, which we don't actually practice. We don't do anything with it. So uh, it's, it's, it, I think it's a harder message to get across to people because people are just like, well, what's your, you know, what's, what's your 30 day mindfulness challenge? And I'm like, I, I don't have one. I mean, I just, I teach mindfulness as an everyday practice. Like every day is mindfulness. So yeah. that stuff kind of freaks me out a bit. Cause uh, I, I see, um, I just see, uh, and it's the same with celebrity culture, right? Like I don't want to see another video of Ellen FaceTiming with, you know, Barack Obama, uh, you know what I mean? Or I, I just, I don't want to see any more. I'm, I'm tired of that stuff and I'm tired of marketers, you know, which I'm seeing endlessly on social media. It's almost like they're completely tone deaf. Like they're still sort of chugging along. And uh, so that stuff's really come into relief for me. And I'm just like, okay, I'm not, maybe I just will quit all social media. I don't even know if I have anything interesting to say anymore. You know? Well, I mean, you do. And there, the truth, the truth, at least my truth is that it's, it's through conversation that things move forward. Like it's, you know, one conversation at a time and a, a one way, a one way monologue where someone's pinned in their home and you can Instagram live for 24 hours a day at them is different than a conversation. And that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to, to have this conversation with you was to, to actually get into some depth about what are we collectively experiencing? What's it teaching us? Like there's, there's so much room right now for great wisdom teachers. And um, you're, you're probably the most, well, of, of the wisdom teachers that I work with, you have the highest degree of humility and yet so much to offer. And so, you know, it maybe it's not Instagram and maybe this podcast, you know, is, is a way to, you know, to reach some people that are willing to spend an hour listening to something that's got value and something that's got depth more importantly. I mean, I was very excited when you um, when you reached out to me because I thought, oh yeah, I'm so ready for another conversation. I believe our first conversation was January fourth, two thousand nineteen. The day has burned into my mind. That was an important year for me, and um, so and that was the day before I was sort of going on this journey, and uh, so. I, I listened to that podcast and I have it on my website. I, I, I guess I, I just enjoy our conversation and it brings back a certain, a certain feeling for me that, you know, was important. So I feel like you pop up in these important moments because um, you're very intuitive. But, you know, I, I, I guess what I feel is that there's a collective kind of grief that we're all going through and mm. people grieve in different ways. Um, you know, some people grieve by, you know, kind of doubling down on busyness. And I get it. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to people learning Spanish while they're in quarantine or, you know, I, I think it's great. Um, uh, but I, I think we all grieve in different ways. And I, I think 
for some people, it's very difficult to grieve because they think their grief isn't that important, right? Uh, I don't have children, so maybe my grief isn't as important as somebody who's got kids and is worried or, you know, my parents have passed on, so I don't, I don't have elderly relatives I'm worried about, so maybe my grief is, you know, it's economic, so it doesn't really matter. Um, so, so I think people are even weighing and measuring their grief and feeling like, well, they can't really. And, and so, you know, suffering is suffering. It's universal. We all suffer. And, you know, I, I think I'm, what I'm hoping is that people just get tired of the make-believe. They get tired of the celebrity culture. They get tired of the marketing. And they start to seek out real solutions and, you know, real conversations. I mean, the more I think about coaching, the more I think it's about these compass conversations, you know, they, they inspire you and they awaken you and they push you and they charge you and they, 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 uh, they take you to new places. And then from those new places, maybe you take some action and, um, I've never been fully able, I think, to sort of communicate what I think it's all about. But this, this, this virus has, um, I've noticed that a lot of people actually don't want to talk. They don't want support, which has been really interesting, you know, too. And I've reached out to folks and um, let's have a conversation. They, they don't want anything, which I think is pretty interesting, too. I've had a similar experience um and it what it's what's happened is initially people said hey well we'll we'll get back together again in april when this thing's you know run its course and um part of but and but except now it's not april's here you know we're going to be in the middle of april very soon and what I have found though, is that it took, it took me going out on a, on a, on a limb. And it's also what I've, what I'm really desiring from a lot of leaders out there, which is I had to be honest about the fact that I have no idea how to coach you through this. I've never right. coached anyone through a global pandemic before. Right. I've, I haven't. And so what what I'm willing you didn't, to do? You didn't get training for that. No, it wasn't part. <laughs> wasn't part of my coach training. Oh, geez. you must have. You got that you module. Didn't, you didn't get the deluxe module no. that I got. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, global it's, pen coaching coaching through global. So yeah. But once once I was honest with with about that, and then also putting the putting it back on them of like, and also you've never led through this before. Um, people were willing to not willing, but jumping at the opportunity to, to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's one of the things I see that's a, one of the most, I shouldn't say the most, it's rotten as well. Right. Which is leaders that we, I think we trust. Um, gosh, even people that, sh that, that, that we're, you know, watching on the news every day are, are, um, our political leaders, you know, are, are, the chief scientists and whoever else they are who all have this air of like, I got this covered. Like yeah. we got yeah. this. And, and I, what I like is I like resolve. And what I'm craving is the vulnerability of like, 
I've never led, I've never led a country before ever through a global pandemic. Yeah. And I'm going to do my absolute best to serve Canadians or Americans or whoever, like, but I don't, I, I really am. I've never done it before. Right. Or, you know, instead of like, well, I've, but I was in the military once. So I, or, or, yeah, and yeah. even, even with, even with our, with scientists who like, like they have a huge amount of expertise and my gosh, we need their expertise right now. And they've never done this before. Mm -hmm. And I, that's, you know, I, I get it. And the, you know, the one that really, the one that cued me to this was I had, um, you know, closer to home, like principals and, and um, from schools and, and superintendents of school districts emailing saying, we're going to have teachers in the next week. They're going to get online school going. We got this covered. Right. And, and finally, my oldest daughter, she's in grade eight, her woodworking teacher sent out this great email where he basically said, I have no idea how this is going to work. He, yeah. he was more humorous, but he, he said, I've been teaching shop for 25 years. I don't, I don't know how to teach shop to students without tools, without supplies, without safety equipment, without supervision. And then he kind of had this funny snarky comment. He said, but the ministry has asked me to, in air quotes, get creative. So I guess I'll give it a shot. And I thought, my gosh, like, isn't that what we're all doing right now? Yeah. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, you know, I'm leading my family through this and leading other people. And I've never done it before, but I'm still going to try. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've always thought, I, I guess, based on sort of the teaching that I followed that um, when it comes to moments of great uncertainty, you, you have to find the universal principles. Mm. Th those are things that we do know about, right? And so I notice with some of my spiritual teachers, it's not coming from a place like what you're discussing in the political realm and those things that that's part of the fakery of the system to me, right? Which is let, let's, let's make sure people feel we're confident. I get it. It's wise. I mean, what else are they going to do? They can't show up and go, Hey, we don't know. So they have to play that game, but it's quite different from my spiritual teachers who I see who are radiating presence. They're radiating faith. They're radiating courage and calmness. They're not faking it. How come they're not faking it? Well, I don't know. I guess after 40 years of deep practice, this pandemic doesn't terrify them the way it terrifies everyone else. They realize, you know, this is, this is what we would call in the wisdom traditions, this is global karma. This is universal karma. We're all invested in this. Whether you had a, you know, uh, my job is not to cure the virus. I don't have any kind of expertise to do that. You know, I know what my job is. It's to try and support people, to mentor them, to listen to them, to um, encourage them, um, to empathize with them. And so how do I do that? Like you, I, I don't know. I've never gone through a pandemic, but as you said, I, I know what it's like to face situations that are extremely frightening. I know what it's like to be unemployed for long periods of time. Um, and I know what it's like to, to sort of live in this universal principle of faith and courage, right? This is one of those moments, like we all have to dig into our 
our soul and we have to find that that universal kind of strength that we all have and there'll be moments when we just don't have it i mean life's a roller coaster let's be honest i wake up and it's like i it's like i'm at the p and e every day right it's like oh i'm going down this is fun this is really interesting i get to the bottom it's like i think i'm depressed i mean this is weird i don't i don't feel good and then it's chugging up and it's like wow this is a nice view like i can walk in the forest and there's nobody here and so um yeah i i think you're right i think it's it's just a time to be honest and i i don't think people want all the answers i think they just want to feel connected to something that matters and whether we like it or not, this pandemic is clearing the decks for us. And, you know, I think if we, if we use some, if we use the situation rightly, I think we, we hopefully we will come out better. I mean, like everyone, I'm concerned about how people are going to get back to making a living. You know, um, I would say 95% of everyone I know is currently not working. Yeah. You know, so, um, and that's nobody's fault, but I mean, how, how are we going to move forward? I, I don't know. We're going to have to do some different things. And so now I'm thinking probably collaboration is more important than ever. Yeah. I, I wonder what, like, I mean, I, I, also, I, I jump a lot to like, what, you know, what's the future going to look like? Cause I, I love to think like that. Yeah. And, um, I don't, you know, I, I definitely don't know. Um, but I, what I, what I wonder about is how, how long can, can we as human beings, at least in the West, which is, you know, primarily my, been my experience, how can we, how long can we stay disconnected and survive? We've been largely disconnected and existing through surface connections, um, in my, in my opinion, for, I don't know, at least 60 some odd years, maybe more, where there's just not a lot of depth in the connections that we have. I've certainly found this to be the experience for a lot of men um, and in particular, but I would imagine it's, it's, it's probably true across the board, but how long can we exist, especially now that even the surface connections have gone, like the water cooler chat and the small talk have disappeared. Mm. And how long can we go without having that? Yeah. It seems like everything kind of shifted, at least in this kind of, you know, 20th and 21st century. It, it seems like after the Second World War, the disconnection really began. You know, scientists got in the lab and said, hey, we can make like TV dinners. It, you know, that's cool. Like, you know, and, and we can genetically modify things. And we can make plastic coverings that, you know, will never disintegrate. And this is wonderful. And, and we can have some great pesticides that we can spray on our strawberries. And so I feel like that's when the disconnection started. And um, if you look at our culture and our cities and our computers and the way, like, it's all been designed by humans. It wasn't designed by nature wasn't designed by God. It was designed by like Facebook and Google and, and Amazon, right? Like Amazon is not looking to see what the future is going to be. Amazon's not going, 
gee, I wonder what the future is going to be. Amazon's asking one question. What's going to be the same in 10 years? Oh, people are going to want their parcels in a day. That's going to be the same. That's how they built their business. They didn't build it on innovation. They built it on how fast can we deliver something? There's nothing new there. So when you look at the evolution of this disconnection, it's all been designed by human beings based on consumption, greed, avarice, all the things they talk about in the wisdom tradition. So I'm, I'm not surprised we're all disconnected. It's been designed to disconnect us because that keeps us consuming. And as you know, if you've ever gone on a retreat or had a good kundalini session or a good meditation session or uh, you've connected with nature and you've had a satori or a deep conversation or you know uh, anything along those lines you you suddenly become a person who doesn't want to consume anything like you don't need to add anything or take anything away and so these companies are they're terrified of that they're terrified of us not consuming because as you're seeing literally um, whole sectors of the economy are disappearing, like they're going away, right? Yeah, you're, um, <laughs> it's so true. And you're, you're illuminating this point for me. I, I mean, it, it's, it's funny that we're having this conversation today because in, in about an hour, I'm going out to get a new bike that I ordered nice. months ago. It's, a, it's been custom made for me. I've, you know, it's been designed and, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful piece of art and, and highly functional piece of art. Um, is it, is it that guy that designs bikes like near where Steve and Mary live? No, this, oh, okay. this guy's over, um, on, it's called land yachts. They used, they make skateboards, but they got oh, into, yeah. into bike I've, making. And so I've, I've heard got of this, them. yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful bike. Yeah. Yeah. They're real craftsmen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and they're, the builder there is amazing. And, and, um, but there's a part of me that's like, I don't, I almost don't want it. Mm. Like, yeah. there, well, it's not that I don't want it. It's that it doesn't have that. Like, I don't feel that draw of like, I'm so excited to get my new bike today. Whereas usually every, every other new bike day, which happens to me, you know, on an annual basis, at least, you know, <laughs> is, is usually a, a momentous occasion of joy. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm having a hard time with it, and yeah, um, yeah I and understand. I think I think that what you're saying is is why. It's like I've, things have been so stripped down that even even things that are like I really really thought I want, I don't know if I want anymore. Well, I, th I think you've raised a good point. And, you know, I just want to be clear that I, I, I'm not trying to be judgmental or, uh, you know, these aren't absolutes for me. They're just notions that come into my mind that I think that I, I think are sort of underneath all this stuff. So, again, I mean, I'm not opposed to anyone who is into something deeply and wants to, you know, reflect that and in the gear or whatever it may be. But it does point to a universal spiritual truth, which I have noticed, which is at some point, people that are deeply practicing, as I think you are, the world becomes, it's kind of like going through chemotherapy. Food doesn't taste the same. It doesn't mm -hmm. taste like anything. 
And so a lot of times as people are doing their practice, especially if they're doing Kundalini and stuff, they can have very strange experiences. Uh, they can have very dark experiences. They can have like emotional mood swings and they can also find um, less pleasure in the things that used to give them pleasure, which becomes very disconcerting. But what you are doing is climbing the ladder of consciousness. And what was true here, like I'm looking at you. Now I step up here and I'm looking at trees. Like you're still there, but I don't see you anymore. It's a new view. And so this is a period of integration. So I, I think, you know, I think you need to enjoy your bike and I think you need to understand that your bike is ultimately um, not something that you will be thinking about um, on your deathbed. You won't be thinking, I'm, I'm so glad I got that 13th bike. Yeah. You'll be thinking, how much love did I give? How much love did I receive? Uh, did, did I make a difference in the world? Did I, did I actually kind of, did I do what I came down here to do? which is yeah. to awaken your own divinity. I, I mean, that to me is universal. That's what we're all seeking. And so my advice to people is start to seek out things that are tr truly valuable to you and invest in them. This isn't the time for people to be hoarding and be afraid. It's the time for people to be investing in their greatest treasure. You know, you could say that we are all on a treasure hunt. And some of the treasure that we're hunting is obvious. It's money, a good job, love, a home, family. Some of the treasure we're hunting for is much less obvious. It's meaning, it's perfect purpose, it's our spiritual life. And you could say that we are both the treasure to be found and the treasure hunter. And so, you know, this is a moment to decide, like in the future, it's going to come. What kind of treasure do you want to hunt for? Uh, that's a, but you can still have a nice bike. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not, no, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm doing the bike. I'm looking forward to myself. seeing you on your bike. <laughs> well, it'll, it'll be on Instagram later today. Um, okay, good. But that's, a, it's, it's a good point though. And, and I actually, this is, this is something that I really did want to, want to dig into a bit today. Um, in this conversation is the idea of, again, once again, you're like Dr. Death, but death, you know, we hosted a workshop on this and <laughs> oh no and, that's uh, that's i'm forever going to be dr death now that's that no i don't guy. think so we've you've got we've had we've had you know that's 45 so minutes of, of inspiring com commentary so far but it, it's oh, okay i came uh, i came across a this this piece on medium um from a uh a guy that i i really really respect uh called david cates and okay. I'll share, I'll share it with you, but the, um, the, he, he shares, he's really, he the title of the, of the article, I'll share it on my, in the notes is it's time to stop avoiding death. And it's all about the coronavirus. He says, you can't have the life you want without letting go of the life you have. But one of the, um, one of the quotes that I wanted to, um, to share is he said, he said the the coronavirus has burst our dam of denial. It's an equal opportunity killer impacting every nation, rich and poor alike. This is no more bullshit, no more hiding. Death is everywhere. <laughs> so it's, this, this is, I'm sharing, you know, the, 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 probably the darkest part of this, but in essence, the idea is that the coronavirus for us 
in at least I mean, you know, in in most of the Western world, is is forcing us to confront the idea that people have already and people will die from this. And now it's in front of our faces as opposed to being hidden in the shadows. And I think that's what's different about our experience of this compared to some other nations or other cultures where death is much more common and death mm -hmm. is not hidden in the shadows because they don't have, you know, they don't have hospices or hospitals, you know, death happens in the home. Right. Um, death is, tr is more tragic, you know, where more young children dying or, you know, there's lots of, lots of other, there are so many other opportunities for them to come in close contact with death. And now we're being forced to do it. Um, and I, I think that's one of the teachings that also is emerging from here is this idea that we can't outrun it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of, it's, it's just like, it's putting a, it's just, it's holding it, holding it up like a newspaper headline in front of us in such plain terms that I, I, that I think is the source of at least some of the un, unease we see. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and it is true, you know. Um, there's this sense that um, everything can be fixed. Everything can be healed. Everything can be transformed. You know, it's kind of the Oprah Winfrey hour, you know. And, cotton candy and self-help um, and I think as you when you decide to go into some kind of spiritual practice one of the things you're really saying to yourself is I want the unvarnished truth I want to know what the truth is you know not not the marketing and so many people say to me well this is such a negative way of thinking about it I think of it as exactly the opposite. You know, I, I mean, here I'm drinking out of this glass and, you know, maybe it's, you know, um, we drink out of our crystal now. We use our silverware. We use our fine china every day. We use our finest crystal, you know, that we inherited. Um, no more special occasions. So, you know, I'm holding this crystal glass and it's beautiful and I can tap it and it makes a nice sound and... But if I knock it off the table and it breaks, I say, of course. It's always broken. You know, I was living with a cup that was already broken. So knowing that I have a very precious amount of time with it makes it so much more mind it makes you it drives you into mindfulness. Yeah. And so, you know, we can either pretend and that none of this is happening and we're all going to survive and nothing's going to change and we're all going to get back to normal. Or we can realize that, you know, this is part of the human condition. Um, what makes this a little more terrifying for people is that there's no kind of enemy. You can't see the enemy. You can't touch the enemy. It's not a terrorist, right? It's not an evil banker or a, you know, whatever. It's some, minuscule microscopic virus that is completely everything is completely irrelevant to it it just wants to live right it just wants to get inside of you and live and do what it does and even that's mysterious right 
healthy people are dying and some I just read about some 95 year old guy that survived and so I think you're right you know how do you how do you square this stuff up How, how do you make it okay that it isn't okay yeah yeah like the the reality that that the only way that we can well, maybe not the only way, but a way that the virus gets beaten is not by beating it. Yeah, it's actually like now it might be through integration. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're talking about a vaccine, and you know, um, yeah. it, it's certainly a different virus than say, you know, or it, it's a different disease. It's a twenty-first century problem, right? Based on globalism. Yeah. Based on consumerism. Based on our. Um, destruction of the environment you know these these diseases that are transmitted from animals it's much different from say typhoid or cholera yeah which were diseases of you know sanitation and things but so um you know i am sure a vaccine is going to make it safe for us to go and hug each other again you know when the day comes i'm going to give you a nice big hug but um vaccines aren't you know they're not going to cure the disease that we have created, which is this sort of global, you know, I think what needs to go viral is peace and love and, and harmony, meditation, stillness. Like we need to get back to things even a hundred years ago, like externally growing our own food. Um, you know, my partner can sew, she can make things. She's an amazing cook. She can garden. Like she knows how to do all these things. She can make a mask. She just made like four amazing masks, you know? So if the internet were to go down tomorrow, like all of a sudden God's like, okay, I'm taking the internet down too. Like it's getting a virus. Like no one would know how to do anything. <laughs> right. That's true. If the grid went down. No one would, be, your food would be gone. Yeah. No solar power, no clean water. I mean, like it's, we are completely irrelevant in one sense if you live in a city, you know, and, and the grid goes down, you know, you're just another organism. Well, that's the part that, um, that the part, that's the part that's confronting, but the part that needs confronting, in my view, is, is that idea that we're not as relevant as we thought. Yeah, I think humans are really, they're like, hey, we're like, we're hot stuff in the universe, you know? And uh, I think, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a tender moment for humanity because we all have to realize the fragility of our lives, the fragility of the planet. And, you know, we've, we have to take some responsibility, you know? this virus isn't some it's like to me it's not some thing that came from god or nature and trying to destroy us as people say or reset the planet i mean it's it, humans have created this over centuries and centuries of inequalities of wars and famines and you know like and and so i'm not really surprised that we're having a pandemic in my lifetime i'm really not i'm not shocked um, it's, and, um, you know, I remember my mom talking about her experiences during the second world war and stuff. And they seem so foreign, you know, all the men were gone. Like you'd go in a city and there'd be no men. They were all at war. The only men were people who couldn't go to war, you know, and they'd 
huddle around the radio and their warmth would come from a wood stove and, you know, there was hardly any food. And um, I mean, think of the terror of that. Like think of your children thinking of you every day and you're, you're, you're in a trench somewhere. Yeah. And that's not that long ago. <laughs> so, and here we are, you know, I mean, at least for the most of us, we're pretty comfortable. We have a roof and, um, you know, we're still able to communicate. So in, in one sense, um, our sacrifices in perspective are not too shocking. I think the sacrifice is the global economy, how it sort of has crumbled, you know, like that's the sacrifice we're all inheriting now. Right. And, and what lies underneath, you know, might, there might be some gold there. I think so. You know, I, I mean, without hope, what, what is the point? I mean, you have to have hope. You have to have faith. I mean, I, how else could you, how else can you move forward? You know? So I think, I think this is the time for people to collaborate to dig a little deeper, to get creative and to think, you know, what, what can I do here? Like, or how could I reinvent something and how could I create something in a new way? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that too, in my practice, how can I recreate sort of a new type of coaching or a new type of, you know, mindfulness practice or what, like, what could I do to sort of be part of a new paradigm, you know? I don't yeah. know yet, but well, I mean, my view is you're you you're part of it already. I mean, just by virtue of the fact that you're here doing the work that you do, the, the sometimes it seems quite inconsequential. Though I mean, I must admit, I I feel like I I wish I wish I could do more or talk to more people or help more people. And I know I know some folks on the front line and how terrifying it is and uh for them and uh i i just think there's so many real heroes out there you know just risking their lives it's just it's part of their inheritance right like that's who they are and what they what they're doing you know um so but um you know um you can go to my website and listen to a couple of nice mindful meditations. That's something you can do. That's kind of nice. Yeah. I just recorded a loving kindness meditation, guided meditation. And I have a nice um, guided practice to help you if you're feeling anxious. Those are two good little mindfulness. Uh, I call them rescue remedy. <laughs> I like it. Right. May you feel protected and safe. May you feel contented and pleased may your physical body support you with strength may your life unfold smoothly with ease you know if you think about it ever since the time of the buddha 2500 years ago people have been saying the they've been well wishing and saying these phrases for themselves and for others radiating out so i think it's amazing to think that you could be part of that lineage just by saying those phrases a few times a day, starting with yourself, then your loved ones, the people that you're close to, and then allowing it to radiate out to eventually to all beings. Imagine if the whole planet started doing that. Yeah. 
that would be, but that, that, I mean, that to me is, is the gift you're bringing, right? I mean, if, if people go, well, I think Buddha brought that gift. I I just, well, I'm packaging it up for him, but it's, yeah. Well, as we talked about on, on episode one, (laughs) there are no new teachings. Yes. Yeah. This is everyone is, is, is reteaching what, what did, what the ancients really knew, but the, the the point the point though of of finding some connection to source or to spirit or to depth or whatever whatever it is that you want to call it there's a there's there's a part of it is is about being part of a lineage whatever that lineage might be being part of something that goes well beyond you know just your ancestors goes well beyond that and and recognizing that 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 lineage exists and then projecting it out into the future of like what's what's the lineage you would like to be creating that to me is maybe what the moment's calling for and and maybe i think maybe i'm going to stop we'll stop calling you dr death because you you created two meditations on loving kindness and 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 you know on anxiety um i went ahead and created a meditation on death so maybe it's me Oh, there you go. The mantle just shifted. Yeah, I'm happy to hand it back to you for a while. I'm, I'll pick it up again <laughs> later. Um, yeah, well, they're so interrelated, you know, and I, I think um, what's comforting about lineage is that um, this pandemic is not a new problem to the ancients. It's not a new problem. Um, my teacher came to America in 1920 teaching yoga meditation and Hindu yogi. Um, he adapted certain things to the West because he saw, you know, he, he didn't have to bring all of India. So he brought the best of India and took the best of the West and adapted them into a modern teaching. But he was teaching during the depression, during, you know, two world wars. Um, and one of the things he said about the depression was, you know, um, it's a psychological sort of uh, cloud that enveloped the world. You know, the factories are still there, the workers were still there, the earth was still producing, but there was this sort of malaise, this. And so I think that's one of the things that we really have to battle is this sort of panic. You know, we, we have to go back to basics. We have to go back to practices that work. Um, and we need to change all kinds of things, global supply chains. and because these supply chains are breaking because they're based on greed and consumption, right? They're not based on, uh, you know, when, when my father was alive, he worked at a plant in North Vancouver. They manufactured locks there. It's a huge plant. It's now a save on foods, now yeah. a grocery store. Yeah. It's a giant. So we, we have to bring these things back. We have to localize again. We have to start supporting local and, um, it's not a big stretch. We can do it. Yeah. Well, and it'll be fun. And, and the, the genesis of that though, as you said, is that it starts with depth and and spirit. Like the, I, um, I'm reminded of this quote that, that, um, was shared on, on this podcast by, uh, Mike of John Izzo. He said, he said, fundamentally, he said, all problems are spiritual first and then they're tactical. So it's like 
don't, don't start by redesigning your supply chain. Start by what's the spiritual, like what's the core of this? Yeah. And yeah. then the tactical stuff will flow. And um, it's, it was a great, it, and, you know, I, I don't, I, I would imagine that's not a teaching he created, but it's, it's a beautiful teaching in this time is to go instead of, you know, tying this back to our opening conversation, instead of running around like crazy or, you know, panic buying or whatever it is we're doing is to pause long enough to, to feel what's at depth. What's the spiritual content of our current problem? Mm -hmm. Feeling into that and then acting from there. And that's the part that, you know, that, that I have found some grace in, in having a daily practice is giving myself enough time and space to feel deeper than the surface and then act from there. You know, uh, we all belong to each other. We are all going to heal together or we are all going to die together. So if you want to go out and, you know, panic by toilet paper, great. And when everyone is dead or their bums are all full of poo because there's no toilet paper, <laughs> you'll have your, like, so that to me is the paradigm of what we're saying. Like, we don't understand the connectivity to nature, mm -hmm. to ourselves, to others. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting about meditation is, you know, from a scientific perspective is that, you know, when they hook up deep meditators to PET scans and stuff, they find that the areas of the brain that are associated with individuality quieten down, which is actually, you know, the metaphysical perspective of connection. Like when you've had a great meditation, you feel kind of, you know, in the wisdom traditions, they say at one, like at one with the divine or at one with nature. And so, um, everything becomes metaphysical in three questions really right i um i think that's a great spot for us to wrap man i mean <laughs> everything good. becomes metaphysical and we're and we ended the pot we're going to end the podcast talking about panic buying toilet paper which um we managed to avoid until then which is great yeah um, yeah and i mentioned the word poo and bum too which is that's okay. There were many, we, we talked about, I think we, we got through some pretty taboo stuff, but um, you know, <laughs> David, as, as always, I'll, uh, I'll link everything up in, in the show notes. Thanks for doing the conversation when we, this was not, this was, you know, men at work, special edition, gender neutral, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I wanted to get your, I really did want to get your thoughts and your wisdom on, on what's going on in the world from the perspective of someone who's not only been studying, but living a spiritual life for so many years. And I know that you're, um, I know that you're a contemplative, sometimes quiet guy. And so it was great just to be able to sit and chat. So thank you. Wow. That was such a great conversation to have with David. I knew that he had a lot to share on this topic and I knew that he would be able to reflect very deeply on the current situation we find ourselves in as human beings in the midst of this virus. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can leave comments on my website at travisstreb.com under the podcast section. And I'm always happy to hear uh, when you have reviews and ratings for me on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. 
All right, thank you for tuning into this special episode. And I truly hope that all of you are well wherever you find yourselves on the planet listening to this podcast. Thank you.